Hello, hello. Hey. Wow, that was good. Um, okay, so yeah, Will is out. He's uh, had a last minute emergency. <laughs> yeah. Is it a good emergency or a bad emergency? Uh, it's a little bit of both, but we'll, we'll go into it a little bit later. I'm hoping he's waiting in line for Yeezy. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and welcome to For the Podcast. This is episode 37. I'm Michael, as always, kind of here with my friends, Jason and Jason's friend, Arnab. Hey, guys. I'd like to think he's your friend now, too, after about, I guess, only one episode with you. After one episode. Yeah. It, it was a, quite a bonding experience it on was, that episode. Though. Yeah. So he's, he's both of our friends. Fair enough. Um, what's going on, guys? Not too much. Today's a big day, though, right? Politics? I guess we don't want to get into politics. Is it a big day? What's been going on? I've been playing The Division. <laughs> it, it's me- it, it's Mega Tuesday. Is that what they call it? Uh, well, that's what they're calling it this year. I've actually never heard it called that before this year. So, are they just thinking of different superlatives yeah. instead of like super? Like, what can top super? And they just went mega. Yeah. Well, usually by the end of Super Tuesday, you have a pretty good idea who the nominees are going to be. So you don't really need a superlative after that. But I yeah. guess this year, because the Republican side is in such chaos, they had to add a uh, a new day. Trump Tuesday. Yeah, that's fair to say. Although, although K- Kasich did well in Ohio, so okay, no, no more politics. <laughs> uh, let's go right into follow up. Uh, just a, one quick bit of follow up. Uh, last week we had talked about how uh, Amazon was removing the encryption on its Fire tablets, and apparently they've uh, reconsidered and they're bringing it back. Okay, great job, Amazon. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, I- I, I I bought Fire tablets for my niece and nephew, so I'm sure they appreciate the fact that it has encryption now. Yeah, I'm sure. As long as it At plays the, like uh, Candy Crush, I think you're okay. Uh, they pretty much just watch Peppa Pig videos on it, so. Oh, never heard of that one. Well, now it'll be encrypted. <laughs> now no one will know. Yeah. Well, not now they'll know because you aren't just told the world. All yep, six that's people true. in there. Yep. Okay, uh, the next bit of follow-up, uh, we were talking a long time ago about the DuckTales remake. Yeah, what's new? And um, apparently this past week, they released the first image of the remake. I'm actually quite excited about this. Like, <laughs> no, no, DuckTales well, was very seminal in my TV watching uh, life, so. So did you see this, uh, this link? I did. I saw the picture. I actually saw the picture like when it came out. I didn't even have to rely on your link, so. Oh, wow. Um, I, true I was, fan, Arneb. Yeah, I mean, Gizmo Duck was the first super, superhero I liked. So, is he even a superhero? I guess he is. As much as Batman is, right? Yeah, he has a suit, true. and he, you know, battles that's, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So, what do you think about the art style? I mean, it's it's different than the original series. Yeah, I was actually not thrilled about it, but I think a lot of that is just my nostalgia and not liking change. Um, so it's not bad. It's not like the, the Clippers mascot or something where I'm like, (laughs) oh my God, this is terrible. But I I was just kind of, you know, upset it wasn't the original, but, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, when's it coming back? Oh, we don't know yet, right? Yeah. I think it's going to take a while. I thought. Yeah. I think 2018 or something like that. Holy crap. Well, they only have one screenshot right now. They need to, uh, (laughs) that's like one frame of animation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Is that uh, all we have for follow? No, there's something else. What is this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have to correct something that Jason said on the last podcast uh, to a question that Will a- asked, actually. He said, what happens... You guys were talking about the Apple versus the FBI um, case that's going on right now. And Will sa- asked uh, Jason, what happens if there's a 4-4 tie in the Supreme Court? And Jason says something ridiculous, like, it stays in limbo. Yeah. It stays well, in what, limbo. What do they do? No, <laughs> The, the lower court opinion, so in this qu- case, the Ninth Circuit opinion, oh, stays they, as the law. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Not, it stays in limo indefinitely, <laughs> which makes absolutely no sense. Why? why? What, what, what's wrong we with tr- that? We trusted you, Jason. One day when I'm president, I'm going to make it, uh, wait, can the president not do that? Well, that's the whole point, is that the it has to be confirmed by the Congress. Otherwise, Obama would just nominate someone and never have a limbo. Also, the size of the court has changed throughout the years, too. Like, nine people is, is a pretty modern thing. They've had six. They've had five, you know? So, um, But, yeah, it, it, the Ninth Circuit opinion would become uh, the law. 
And incidentally, I was just actually, uh, I have a Ninth Circuit appeal uh, in court right now, and I'm getting dates in mid-2018. So by the time the Supreme Court actually heard this case, I'm guessing it would be mid-2020. So around the time DuckTales is coming out. Well, you don't think think they have like a fast track? Uh, they, They probably do have a fast track, but it still would take at least a couple years. Yeah. Well, okay. Just, just I didn't really want to bring this up, but I kind of did want to bring this up. But like, the more I hear about this Apple case, um, which we've discussed, I guess uh, you and I discussed this on our special episode, and Will and Mike and I discussed it in our last episode. But um, I just feel like Apple has to win this, right? Do you guys get that feeling, or no? Am I the only one that kind of thinking that the public sentiment? I don't even think the public sen- sentiment is like overwhelming for Apple. No, but I think it's changing. Like, in, I think originally people were like, oh, they should just help them open the phone and, uh, you know, they should do all that stuff. But, but I feel like now, um, like John Oliver just did a, a piece on encryption the other night. And, um, I feel like people are kind of coming around to like the government's arguments are just not very good. And then they're also kind of coming off not so good in that they're kind of threatening to, uh, request that Apple hand over their source code if they don't comply. Oh yeah, I saw that. That's ridiculous. So it it's seems like a threat. kind of like yeah, right. It's it's like it's like extortion almost, like in public, right? It just seems kind of like uh, if the PR battle goes badly for the government, then um, I just can't see how they're going to win this. But I, I don't know. Again, I'm not an expert in this. I actually read Apple's papers that they filed with the uh, the, the district court. And it was very well written. A lot of it touched on the stuff that Jason and I talked about, about, you know, basically conscripting Apple employees into doing the government's bidding against their will. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately Apple has a really good chance of prevailing, um, especially because I have a feeling that this won't go all the way to the Supreme Court. I have a feeling that uh, Congress is going to enact something and even possibly make it retroactive to apply to this case that's going to kind of solve this issue. So, Well, but Obama has kind of got, come down on like the side of obviously the FBI, right? And they kind yeah. of, he kind of pleaded with Apple to say like, you guys should work something out because, you know, we might, you know, Congress might enact legislation and, and who knows what's going to happen then, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that the Congress would act on the side of Apple. I'm, I'm just saying that I think that this isn't going to end up being based on the All Writs Act of 1776. It's going to be right, based right, right. on a, a modern act of Congress. So, And then one other thought that I had was, um, so the FBI's argument, one of their arguments is that, you know, it's just this one phone. We want to unlock this one phone because it's a terrorist and we want to know what, you know, what he was talking about on this phone, right? Um, and I, I think most people probably don't believe that anymore. But like, one of the reasons why people don't believe this is because a lot of people, such as like the New York district attorney, side dance, right. he's like, Oh, I have 175 phones, right? Like I totally want Apple to do this, right? Don't <laughs> you think there's any communication between the FBI just saying like, Hey, shut up, right? Like don't say anything <laughs> until we get the president and then you can go and say whatever you want, right? But like, why would they, you know, like it seems like the right hand and the left hand are just not, not meeting there. Well, the thing is that it wasn't that. After this, uh, you know, Apple FBI San Bernardino case came up that he said that there were already 100, you know, requests pending over the course of years. Right, right, right. That but he should in just, the courts. But like when they went to like in front of like the uh, when they went to Congress or, or, you know, they had that hearing. Right. I don't even remember what it's called, but like they, they, they had this thing and, and Cy Vance was there and he's kind of just saying like, look, I have all these phones. I want to do it like he should just lay low for a little bit, right? And just kind of not say anything. Not say like... He's not going to lie, right? They probably called him as a witness. I guess so. I don't know. You know, the people on the side of Apple were probably like, look, this guy has this many things pending. Let's call him up and ask him. And he's going to say, yeah, I want him for murder cases. I guess he can't say like, well, I don't want them because then then if you ask for him later, then he's going to be caught in a lie. Right. I mean, it's also a, a lie regardless for him to say that because no, I think he, I'm sure he believes that these murder cases are important and that, you know, their government interest there is important enough to, to get it just like it is in this San Bernardino case. I just feel like the, the best chance for the government would have been, hey, just do it this one time. And then like it kind of they, like sneak into the back door. They kind of are like, you know, oh, well, what about this case? What about this case? Right. But if you just say right off the bat, this is like, you know, a huge change. We're going to keep doing it and keep asking for these, uh, 
you know, these phones to be unlocked, then I feel like there's less of a chance that they're going to prevail. No, I, I completely agree. I just think that there was already a lot of, you know, yeah. districts and, you know, district attorneys asking for this information. So whether it came out because that guy said it or the guy in Ohio or the guy in California, I bet across the country there are thousands of these requests. So I don't think you could really hide the ball there. So. Okay. That's all. Um, but anyways, Jason has no idea how the Supreme Court works. Is like, <laughs> in <not>. conclusion. Well, <laughs> that's not a surprise, though. I, I never told them that I was like, oh, don't worry. Listen to me. I'm a Supreme Court expert, right? I was like, uh, I guess I could be you like this. You misrepresented yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The uh, the next topic we have is uh, video games. And uh, I think the first thing that we want to talk about, although Will is not here, is a new game that came out... Uh, the Division, and it's kind of like a Tom Clancy game that's a multiplayer online, like a MMO type game, I guess. Uh, Arnab is a video game expert, so we can ask him what he uh, thinks about this game. I know much as much about video games as Jason does about the Supreme Court. So. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, good one. nicely done. Okay, well, um, <laughs> luckily, I mean, Mike just started playing the game today, right? Yeah, so I, I actually wasn't that excited to play it until... You messaged in our Slack about how it's like a Rainbow Six terrorist hunt. Yeah. So, so for those um, of you that don't know, Rainbow Six is kind of like this old school Tom Clancy game. Although I guess there's still some versions of it, right? I, yeah, that's a, a game version, I actually but... played. Yeah. 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 So I finally downloaded, installed everything today, and I started up, and it's it's really fun with like a full team of four, and you guys are just going around New York, even though Jason's condo is a parking lot in the game. Um, you're supposed it to be is. able to, it, it's supposed to be like a real, like a map of New York City. So, and, um, oh, go ahead, Jason. So it, it is kind of, I feel like when we were in Times Square, I didn't even know where we were fighting and I was like, oh, this kind of looks like Times Square. It's not like a photorealistic map, I would say. Um, and there's probably, you know, obviously there's no Starbucks or Best Buys or things like that, right? But, um, they do a good job of capturing what the neighborhood's going to feel like. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job, although my building is not there. Is it like the equivalent of like Vice City and, and those kind of games with the, uh, cause I thought that did a pretty good job with LA. Similar. It's probably a little, uh, maybe a little bit more realistic looking, um, in terms of like the realism. But, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely, yeah, you can tell like what the different neighborhoods are. Okay. So Mike, what, what else did you think about, uh, the game in the first day? Uh, I mean, just typical. Typical, like, a third-person Tom Clancy Ubisoft kind of feeling game uh, in that it's just, it's, the controls feel pretty good. I'm, I'm used to, like, the Destiny gunplay now, so in that aspect, it feels a little clunky. But, uh, I mean, right now, when there's a lot of people playing the game, it's, I don't know, I'm going to try to level up to 30. And, you know, I want to try this whole Dark Zone thing that I haven't tried yet, where, I guess... I don't really know what it is yet, but Will says it's awesome, and that's probably where he is right now. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. So Will couldn't join us because uh, we were actually playing The Division for a couple of hours right before we started recording this, and uh, Will didn't want to stop playing, <laughs> well, which he is probably claims, a good sign. Yeah. First, he said that uh, he's waiting for dinner to be delivered, uh, so he won't be able to uh, record and then he said oh wait i have to go pick up dinner i was like didn't you just say you're waiting for dinner he's like yeah i have to go to the door so i was like okay um <laughs> he's like and then i and then i have to eat so so no will this week so how is this game better than you know any other you know counter-strike halo first person shooter game so i would say i mean it's definitely different than like halo so the terrorist hunt um from rainbow six the way it kind of works is you and a couple of friends, maybe like a team of four, right? Um, it generates a map with AI enemies, and they kind of randomly spawn at different parts of the map. And we would kind of just go along and play, and your goal is to kind of just kill all of the terrorists on the map, right? And back in the day, me and Mike and some of our friends, we would play this for hours because like, it's super realistic, and so if you get shot like once, you're pretty much dead. Uh, so you have to be really careful and... Um, we would just play it over and over again, just trying to clear these like all these levels. Uh, so the division is, it's a multiplayer game. Like, you know, there are other people in the universe and it's set in Manhattan primarily, I guess. Um, but it's kind of like a terrorist set. So you basically play with your friends. And when you play with your friends on these missions, you're really killing like computer AI 
players, not uh, not like other humans. And like uh, there's level progression, like in Destiny or like in World of Warcraft or things like that. So you start off at level one, and then you get better guns, and you get better like you know you do more damage, and you can kill better, like stronger enemies and things like that. So it's a little bit different because Rainbow Six, uh, everyone's just always the same. So it's just a matter of just beating the level. Whereas here, you have incentive to keep playing so that you keep getting improving your character, getting better weapons, getting better gear, things like that. Got it. And do you guys play on Xbox, PlayStation? Uh, we've been playing on PlayStation. I think this gen, we switched over to PlayStation. Last gen, we were all in on Xbox. Interesting, which which I guess segues into the next topic, right? Yeah, wait, who who posted this? Was this I, Will I or? did. I did. Of, cor- of course you did. Yep. Mr. VR. <laughs> so, uh, well, GDC, the Game Developers Conference, is this week in San Francisco. And so I guess PlayStation had an event. I didn't even know they were going to have an event today. But um, they announced their details for PlayStation VR, uh, which we thought was going to launch later this year. And uh, it is. It's launching in October. And uh, the price is $399. Um, I'm not sure. You, you seem to get a lot of gear with it, like a lot of like wires. And then you get, the, obviously, the headset. Uh, and it connects to your PS4. Um, it doesn't come with any move controllers. Right, I was reading that, and it doesn't cam- come with it the camera. Come with the that camera, you need. what you need. So it's a sixty dollars camera, and I was wondering why they would do that. But my only guess is that um, they figure some people already have a camera, and so if they built it in, the cost would probably be like four hundred fifty dollars, and the people would end up with two cameras, right? So just have you bu- have you buy it separately? It kind of you know keeps the price down and doesn't give people stuff that they don't need. That's my guess. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they include the Move controller? So. Also cost, right? They, they want to, so the, the competition is like Oculus, which is $5.99 and, uh, the HTC Vive, <laughs> right? Which is, uh, what, $7.99, I think? Yeah. Or $8.99, one of those. But, um, so I think, you know, at coming in at a $3.99 price tag, uh, even though it's really at least $4.60, um, it, it kind of makes it look a little nicer. Right. Uh, the Oculus doesn't have any controllers at the moment either. So for five ninety nine, you're not getting any controllers. So it kind of is on par. Uh, I think, I think it the, ships with just like an Xbox One. Controller. Oh right, right, right. It doesn't come with like yeah. the uh, Oculus. So I mean, you would have a PlayStation controller anyways. Right. It doesn't have like the motion controllers. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So Mike, what, what do you think? I mean, you you haven't heard these this news yet, right? No, this is brand new to me. I mean, this is kind of the price I was hoping they would hit. I already have a PlayStation camera. Um, there was a deal. I, they sell pretty regularly for like 30 bucks. Yeah. Um, so I, I've never unpacked it, but now I'll have a reason to unpack it. And yeah, I don't know. 400. That's like, you don't need any other hardware besides the PS4. It yeah. seems like a better proposition than to me than Oculus or Vive. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, like I've been talking to Drakkett about this and he's saying like he's a little down on PSVR only because he thinks there's like a minimum threshold that you need to meet hardware wise before, um, like VR is not disorienting and you don't get dizzy and things like that. Right. And he thinks that, uh, Oculus and Vive meet that threshold, but he's not so convinced that PlayStation will, but you've, I don't know. I, I tried it at E3 and it was, it was really good. I mean, it was my first like real VR experience, um, okay. but I didn't notice, you know, any like motion sickness or anything. It, it felt like it was like a really compelling, immersive experience. Have you played like Oculus or Vive? Uh, no, the it? only other, the, my only other VR experience is with the gear. So, and how does it compare to the gear? I think it's better than the gear for sure, just because you have like positional tracking. And Jason, uh, our mutual friend. Jim, who we also went to law school with, he so he did a lot of work for Oculus, oh, yeah, and right. and th- he was able to try out, um, I believe the Oculus, the the Vive, and the PlayStation One, along the with Vive a couple of Vive, okay, yeah, um, along with a couple other ones, and I mean he's probably biased, but he said that when he tried them out, Oculus was significantly ahead of the competition at that time. This is about a year ago that he tried them out. So I don't know if they've caught up or, or what the situation is. But 
uh, and and his major thing was similar to what you said, which is that the the hardware aspect, the, the actual headset and everything he said was was pretty comparable. But he said the hardware aspect of the Oculus is is, um, is still slightly better and gives you a better experience. So for whatever. That's oh yeah, worth. yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense because the hardware cost right now is like what around eleven hundred dollars, around a thousand dollars for like a if you're building your own PC. And you're competing with like a PlayStation whose hardware was frozen, you know, a few years before it launched. So right. it's already, you know, four or five years old. Even if you add this, whatever processing unit is, um, I don't think it adds that much besides just, you know, handling some of the overhead of the VR processing. So, I mean, I'm excited. I haven't tried anything really. Like I haven't tried a real Oculus. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, I'm definitely going to pick one up for $400. Yeah. And then that game that they made, it was like some like battle arena combat game. It was really fun, but yeah. I, I was horrible at it. Jess was really good. All right, so we can play this. I mean, yep. the one thing though is um, if they don't include move controllers, uh, the fear, or at least one of my fears, is that uh, most people aren't going to have move controllers, and so I don't know how good the support is going to be for move controllers. It's kind of like yeah, it's they almost could like, do like, a, is like a peripheral, right? They could do like a Nintendo thing where they make a really good, compelling game and then package in like a move controller at like a bundled price. Oh, yeah. That's like true. a rock band or something? Yeah, something like that. Or, you know, when okay. they did like Star Fox with like the Rumble Pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's so true. that enough people will buy it if it's like a good title. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we're both in. Uh, we have about six months to go. Time to start saving. Yep. When does When does a pre-order start? I don't know. I mean, I wonder if they'll sell out. I, I I guess they would only really sell out if they just can't make very many of them. But I don't think that many people are going to line up for a four hundred dollar peripheral. But I could be wrong. I don't know, especially if like, it hits the holiday season. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I think because you know there hasn't been a new system in in a couple of years, and VR is kind of all the rage. I feel like it's going to be pretty popular. Yeah, I think so too. And who knows if they'll have problems with like yield or something? Yeah. That's, that's true. I'm going to pre-order for sure. Okay, me too. I'm in. I'm actually just signing up for the <laughs> Amazon email alert right now. Oh, All there right, is? Done. Yep. Nice. Okay, uh, the next topic is, um, let's see. Google held a uh, Go, cha- Go, I don't know, competition? A contest? I don't even know what they yeah. call it. Yeah, it was it was a match. Yeah, like a five-batch set with the uh, one of the best human go players in the world and google had designed a uh deep learning artificial intelligence named AlphaGo. have you guys been following this i guess it's over now it ended last night yeah i was actually kind of obsessively following this for the last you know week or so how about you mike uh just through what you guys have been talking about on slack okay <laughs> I, what, I, what slack sorry oh, <laughs> slack is like this um i guess it's like a group chat I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's almost like, I guess it's popular amongst like workplace environments, but other friends, like groups of friends can kind of do it too. So it's almost like a messaging app. It's almost like IRC, but the private IRC. I heard Bill Simmons talking about it, using it in his new website, but I, I don't oh, know really? what he's talking about either. Yeah. It's really popular. Uh, probably over the past like year or two, it got really popular. Um, and so it, it kind of message, it, it's similar to group text messages, I guess. Uh, what, what I like about it is that, um, you can create different channels. So, for example, we can create like a video game channel or like a football channel. And if someone's not into video games, they don't need to join that channel. So it kind of is better for organizational purposes. Or there can be like a Making a Murderer channel. And if you don't watch Making a Murderer, just don't join it and you won't get all the messages. Right? People can kind of talk about it freely and, and have spoilers and things like that, right? Got it. Anyway, sorry, I took, took you guys on a tangent. No, no. Yeah, oh. We've okay. got to get you in our, in our Slack. Yeah. I need to join Slack. Is is it an app or is it like it's a... It's an app, right. It's, it's an, an app. app. It's a web page. It's, yeah. it's a website. It's, yeah. Slack is everything. Hopefully it's free because it is free. I don't pay for apps. So. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, so okay, anyways, you've, been, you've been following this AlphaGo thing, right? Yes. So I actually, so I was really into when, when Deep Blue uh, came out back in, what is it, 97, 98? That's when yeah. I like first started getting into chess. And I was pretty into chess at that time. And so, like, it was a big deal when, you know, Deep Blue beat, you know, the top chess players. 
Um, so it, when I started hearing about this, about I would say you know the beginning of March, I, I got flashbacks of my youth, and so I started following it. Yeah, I, but I didn't know what Go was. So, so you don't play. I was Go. like, no, I've I've never even heard of Go until this. So. I was like, okay, I'm sure when they start televising these matches, I'll just watch it and figure it out. And so, first of all, I didn't realize that the matches are, are four hours long each. So, <laughs> me too. That that was my first mistake. Is like I tried to watch the first match live, and like 20 minutes into it, they were talking about what is, is probably going to happen in the third hour, and I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and the second thing is, I had no idea what they were talking about. It was so confusing to me, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sure I could, I could figure out how this works." And I literally could not. And I watched all, not all, all, all the entire matches, but I was following a lot, uh, the first four matches until finally I, I had to watch like a series of YouTube videos to figure out how the how, how Go worked. And then someone at work was actually a competitive Go player, so he's been kind of giving me semi lessons for the last couple days or week or so um which has helped my understanding quite a bit but it's it's it was interesting so anyways i'm actually down to learn how to play go i i don't know how to play go either um but the board is somewhat reminiscent of like othello right right do you guys know that game yeah yeah and so like i just figured oh it's got to be similar to othello like i'll just watch it and uh, i'm sure i can figure it out like you did right Right. Um, I watched that first match for probably about the first two, two and a half hours. Wow, um, commitment. Well, I mean, it was just on. and But I had no idea what they were talking about, right? So it's similar yeah. to you. But it was just really interesting to me because I kind of wanted to see what they were going to say. And like if something happened where they were like, oh, my God, like this is a huge move or something. You know, it, <laughs> it almost felt like um, this is like a seminal moment in artificial intelligence uh, yeah. history, right? So I, I've been really into it. Um and, uh, of course, AlphaGo won the first three games, right? So it won the set, uh, right off the bat. Uh, and then for some reason, there's no Mercy Rule. So they, they play all five matches anyway. Well, the reason, the reason is that, um, Elise Seedal, uh, gets 20 grand for each match that he wins as a bonus. Oh. And so he contracted that he would get to play all five regardless of the score so he can get that bonus. And he ended up, so he made, 170 grand because it was a 150,000 base fee and 20 grand for each win. Do you think and that he, he did that because he wanted to like win the million dollars and then also win another $40,000 on top of that? Cause he thought he no, was going to win all five. I mean, I don't know if he actually thought he would win all five, but I think that they played out the last two because he wanted a chance of winning an extra 40 grand. Okay. And do you think that, uh, Google let him win in game four? Because they no. didn't want humanity to freak out because they're like, oh my God, like humanity's doomed. Well, did you see what happened in game four when he played that the 78th move, which is no. the, the seminal move? So it I was, read it was, about it, but I didn't see it. Yeah. So I, again, I, I, I only watched one of the matches live because it was really late here. I think it was, it started at like 11 p.m. So I watched most of them, you know, again, I probably watched a combined five hours of the matches. But um, so so when I found out that you know there was a seminal move, I I went back to the the YouTube video and watched that portion of it, and everyone was the commentators. By the way, the commentators are, are terrible. Um, oh really? You didn't like them? Oh god, they, they they were they had like no presence. They were like, yeah, oh, I, I, well. I I think I think they're winning. I, I don't know if they're winning. Let's do another count. Uh, it's approximate. <laughs> it's approximately fifty eight to forty. No, yeah, wait, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. And then they'd be missing moves on the board that they would later have to make up because they well, weren't like... <laughs> well, it's not like it's not like football where they're like a play-by-play, right? They're kind of just talking about general strategies and like general things. And then, you know, oh, by the way, like we'll update the board. That's that's how I felt it was like, right? I yeah, I just, I just felt like they could have done a better job of like... Maybe it was for people more familiar with the game. And when I was watching, I was not... Um, but I felt like they could have done a better job explaining what, when there was a good move or when there was a bad move, what the, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff, as opposed to just generally being like, oh, that's interesting. Or uh-huh. like how to play the game maybe, right? Like, right. I don't know. I guess I could, that's probably, I could have just gone and watched another video on YouTube so they don't need to do that, but I don't know. 
But anyways, going back, so I watched that, and the, all the commentators, and uh, and then I went and watched videos of like the Asian commentators also, and they all were super surprised with that seventy eighth move. Um, like almost no one saw it coming. Which so I suspect that the computer didn't see it coming either, and then it couldn't really recover from that that one. <laughs> it was so shocked. Genius move, yeah. And then apparently it, it it kind of fried the program because it made some what everyone said nonsense moves afterwards because yeah, it yeah, didn't yeah. know exactly how to recover from it. So so I, I I think that the program just isn't perfect yet, um, but it's still you know better than any human. So there's an interesting article on Wired and it kind of talks about like how interesting it is to uh, watch the the AI play Go because this game has been played for thousands of years. And um, I guess in the first three games, it did some moves that no human would have ever considered to do, right? Right. Um, and so they're like, this is so crazy because the way that the, the machine works is like, apparently it studied the, the best players in the world for like 100,000 matches. And then after that, it kind of just plays against itself. Right. Like over and over again, like millions of times. And that's how it learns. It doesn't like try each move once to see which one is the best one. It just plays games against each other, you know, against itself, right? Right. And so it, you know, through those millions of games, it developed some strategies that nobody, no human has ever come up with yet. So that's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, well, the other thing that is interesting that they said, the, the problem with Go and the problem with the commentating on Go too is that no one knows, it's very difficult to calculate the exact score at any one point. Right? right. So the best Go players are, are really playing on feel and things like that, whereas the computer knows the exact score at any time, right? And well, it also. If there is a score. Because right. I, I think that some of it is contingent on what's going to happen later. You can obviously be winning and like be right. in a better position, but like, I, I don't think it's like football where it's like, hey, what's the score? And it's like, oh, it's 52 to 51 right now, right? Like, I think that it actually, there is no score. There's just so many things that are variable. That like right, yeah. there, right. There's approximate scores. So so, but the thing is that the the computer is able to. Th- what they say is that the computer is p- playing to win. You know, fifty one to forty nine. It's right. not playing. You know, whereas people like don't play that way because they don't know exactly. You know what the percentage score is at, right. at any time, right? So they they tend to play more aggressively. So a lot of the moves that they say that people don't make are because. AlphaGo knows it's winning and therefore plays a, an overly conservative oh, move, whereas most people would say, oh, I don't know exactly if I'm winning or not. I, I feel like it's pretty close. I got to you know, keep my foot on the gas or whatever. Yeah, so, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And, th- and the other thing that, was, that they said that they put in specifically right before this match that I was reading about is a time management program because it's kind of like they have a chess clock where you have a certain amount of hours to play your moves, right. and after that, you're on a one-minute timer. Um, and they they put in a separate mechanism just to manage time, and so AlphaGo's time management was always better, and that was kind of a problem in the second game when when uh, the human player ran out of time and had to like make moves really quickly in overtime. So, Yeah. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. And the other thing that the Wire article talks about is... Um, like almost like a collective sadness when the human lost like the first game and then maybe the second game as well. Like, I don't know. I felt bad for him and but partially probably because I'm Korean. Um, but just as a human, right? Like it's kind of like on the one hand, like the geek side of me is like, I'm so excited that like we're way ahead of what we thought. And like, this is pretty exciting. But on the other hand, it's like this person who's like the best in the world is like so powerless against this machine that kind of just came up out of nowhere. Right. I, I didn't really feel the sadness because I, I don't know. Did you feel sad when the, you know, the Russian chess players were losing? So I was going to, I don't remember um, who I was rooting for. I think I hated Kasparov. So I wanted him to lose. Yeah. I might've, I might've felt that too. Yeah, and and I and I, because I never really even heard of Go, and I don't know who this Lee Sudol guy is, or I, I don't know if as, as being a Korean person, if it's kind of popular and just culturally how how it is. But I I had no he kind gets of tons of know, girls. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that's why all the Go players really really yeah. play the game is, is, is <laughs> for the women. women. Yeah. Um, no, but but like. I don't know. I mean, I think that like he, he did a really good job, right? Like Gas- Gary yeah. Kasparov kind of seemed like he wasn't happy and like kind of made a big deal and like maybe was 
like humbled and he didn't he had too much of an ego whereas i feel like uh well Lee, Lisa Dole said yeah. before the thing that he would win 5-0 and and things like that like yeah. his press conference before were not exactly humble right oh no no i know <laughs> but but when he lost he wasn't like oh this is bs like i think they're up to something and they're up to like all this you know like i remember watching a movie about deep blue and gary kasparov was like so paranoid that they were doing something and cheating right and that's how they were winning whereas i feel like Lee Sudal was like, um, just very humble. You know, he's like, man, like they, he played a really good game and like he didn't like throw a fit. He didn't like, and he was not a sore loser. He was kind of just like, you know, oh, like he played a perfect game, right? Yeah. I mean, I think some, that's somewhat cultural, right? I mean, I, I, I think that I would be surprised to see, you know, kind of Asian players in general to be like throwing a fit after. You're a racist. I'm, I'm Asian. I could say that. Um, <laughs> You're not, the Indians are not Asian. <laughs> Indians are Asian.com. Check out the website. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I didn't feel any sadness kind of for him or humanity per se. I was just kind of excited about, you know, how AI did something that people said were was, you know, 10 years away, five years away. So ultimately, what does this do for AI? Like, how does this matter besides they can beat us at a really old, complicated game? Like, what are the ramifications of this win? Well, clearly, humans are doomed. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think that it's interesting only because, like, I guess Google's been learning, doing a lot of, like, uh, like machine learning type things. Like, you know, like, even with Google Photos, um, it uses algorithms and it kind of, like, identifies, uh, like, a polar bear enough times that it can kind of look through your photos and you can just search for, like, you know, polar bear and it, it knows what it looks like. Um that kind of thing. And then like, you know, being able to, to beat us in complex games, it just kind of shows that like, there's some potential there. Right. I don't think that there's a direct, uh, I don't know, a, like a direct connection you can make with like, Oh, now they can beat us in go. And so therefore they can do X. Right. But it kind of like shows that we are onto something and they can do more complex things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that my friend who was uh that that taught me some of the go who was like a competitive go player and took lessons was he was telling me and he's he's a little older he's in his early forties um he was saying that when um you know Kasparov lost to Deep Blue um you know the go players were particularly talking about yeah that's uh, you know chess is one thing go is different because it's about flow and intuition and you know there's not like you know set moves and you know things like that and it's much more of a intuitive game and so the fact that they're able to figure it out i mean i guess to me like the dream is the the star trek computer right which is you know you get to say anything and it, and it gives you a response and it's able to you know interpret what you mean and if you're sarcastic or not or or you know oh, like kind of siri. have that yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly except, like siri we have that except not at all like siri but you know like <laughs> like like the her computer right which is right you know right. able to kind of really know what you're doing and i think like kind of like what jason said that this is like one step closer you know and, and part of that too was when they made the um the computer recently that does Jeopardy. And, you know, it, it would have trouble with the, you know, pun categories and things like that. And, but they, it, you know, it figured that out too and, and figured this out. So I think it's just one step closer to having, you know, artificial intelligence that really understands what humans want and what they're looking for and, and eventually replaces us and becomes our overlord. Yeah. So that's the dream, right? Is like the <laughs> Siri or like the Star Trek computer, but the nightmare is kind of like the Terminator or Skynet scenario. Yeah. Right. You just got to have so, a, a I mean, kill switch. <laughs> we just need a back door into it uh, so we can just make them, you know, just don't encrypt them. Yeah. We just need access to the source code. Yeah. Exactly. You want to see what I, I mean, did there? Yeah. I, I'm sure if the government requested that, you know, the, the co Google and the companies would give us that just in yeah. case, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I do think – I'm not really scared yet, but I do think that there's part of me that's a sad for humanity a little bit and and be like a little nervous because it seems like we're a little closer to this than I thought we were maybe two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Wait, one one last question about Go before we move on. Do you think if that like time management issue, like if he had unlimited time and wasn't penalized after going past a minute or whatever, um, do you think the human player would have had a better chance of winning more of these matches? 
Like if he had like unlimited time to plan his moves. Well, better chance, yes, but would he have won? I don't, I don't know. Right. And, and yeah, based on time only really came into play in that second game. The other games were time-wise were pretty evenly matched. So oh, but maybe okay. he like made a point of making it not a point, like not an issue in the game 3 and 4 and and 5 and so therefore it made him make moves a little quicker, right? Yeah, yeah. but like but but I also think so he, you're allowed to take uh like up to 3 long breaks of, you know, 15 minutes and walk away and things like that. And he used them in one of the games and and his moves after the long breaks were not particularly good uh, and <laughs> and, and, and to go to the bathroom, okay? Yeah, oh no, he did go to the bathroom. Apparently he like w- went to the bathroom and like washed his face in the sink for like 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but hmm. But yeah, because he was like so stressed out. But like, yeah. it didn't really help him that much. So I, I don't think it was, and I don't think it was the time as much it, that it was kind of what Jason was talking about earlier was that he was doing moves because he was able to play like a million matches against itself that he wasn't accustomed to. So, so do you think that now Go players will start to rethink these like old strategies that they've been taught and? kind of start to like think outside the box like go or like alpha go i mean the the interesting thing is that it and, and i was asking my my friend about this who who played go is that the the moves that alpha go make weren't like oh my god this is a strategy no one has ever thought of before it was he would pull back when other people might push forward and it was variations of strategies that exist Okay. So it, it wasn't an issue of, oh, my God, like we should play more aggressive, you know, because all this time we've been kind of playing conservative where, you know, it turns out that if you're super aggressive, it helps you. No, it, it's it's kind of more subtle than that of, oh, you know what? Usually in this situation, we would try to get territory in this area. But instead of that, you know, he moved the focus point into some other area that, you know, seemed like it, it wouldn't pay off that much, but did pay off for him, you know, things like that. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, going back to um, like, if there was no time limit, I mean, I I feel like humans just inherently have a disadvantage against computers if they're comparably like matched, only because like there's like the human element of like doubt, right? Like we or like pressure, right? Like right. Lisa Dahl knows the magnitude of like everyone's watching him, or like game two, like I have to win this. Whereas like to AlphaGo, it's it's just another game. Like he doesn't care, right? Like he plays almost probably one move at a time, right? Like the old sports cliche, right? But like, you know, Lisa Dahl is like, well, you know, game three, like I need to win this game or, or something like that. Or like, you know, maybe he'll outthink himself. Like, oh, uh, I've never seen that move before. So let me try some new strategies. And maybe he gets out of his comfort zone and makes him actually a worse player, right? Whereas the computer wouldn't do things like that. So there's like a human element that I feel like is just very natural and it's very hard to overcome. Yeah, Lisadol actually said that. He said that psychologically, the computer played a perfect game, whereas I can't do that, right? Right. And he he also said that he uh, part of his you know playing strategy is to you know read people and take advantage of the fact that oh my god he's stressed out I'm I'm gonna go aggressive now right or, put the pressure on exactly whereas right. you know you he can't read the computer obviously and so he he didn't have that kind of advantage that he would normally have so i definitely think that's part of it but that was when when they were starting this match they were talking about that as kind of the uh, an advantage that humans have which is that you know alpha go is programmed to do things in a certain way whereas um you know lisa doll can go from you know playing erratically to playing conservatively to to kind of you know making adjustments like that on the fly that the computer might not be able to do. So, you know, now we see it as, as maybe a negative, but before when he was talking at the, you know, pre-game press conferences, he was talking about that as an advantage. So it's, it's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wh- one more topic before we uh, call it an episode. Um, Apple's having an event uh, on Monday, uh, March 21st, I think. Um, I don't think they're excited. They're announcing anything too crazy, but, uh, I wanted to ask Arnab one thing because, uh, one of the rumored devices is an iPhone SE, which is like a updated version of the iPhone 5S. So it's like a four inch phone only with like updated internals. So it'll have the same processor supposedly as the iPhone 6S, um, same camera, no 3D touch, but, um, I think upgraded RAM, things like that, right? Uh, in the same old form factor. 
slightly updated, but same size as the iPhone 5S. And I know Arnab, um, he held on to his old iPhone 5. Was it iPhone 5S? For it was quite a, a while, right? right? Yeah. Uh, it was up until uh, this January where I dropped it in the ocean. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. And so then you you now have what, an iPhone 6S? Yes. And, and what do you, what do you think? Cuz I mean you you were like, you know, I wish they had an updated phone of the 4-inch phone and and now they they are going to have one. Um Yeah, so 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 I hated my 6S for the first like 3 weeks I had it. I it was it was I thought it was too big. It was not as easy to use. Um and I was really thinking about selling it and getting a a, a used 5S instead. Um, I held on to it. I still have it. I'm much more used to it. But whenever I use a a 5S or a, a 5 or a 4-inch phone, I realize how much easier it is to use with one hand. Um, so I'm actually excited about this, you know, the 5SE. I'm not going to trade in my phone to get it because it's too much of a pain because I already bought this and I have it and it's it's working fine and I'm used to it. But if if I if I still had the 5S and I broke my phone today or on March 22nd, I would probably get the 5SE over the 6S. Okay. Well, just so you know, I mean, you can probably, I'm almost pretty sure, almost pretty sure, um, that that you can sell your iPhone 6S for probably more money than you'll have to pay for a brand new iPhone SE. I, I know. I'm j- I just know I'm, I'm going to be too lazy to actually go through the steps and do yeah. that. Okay. And I, I don't. I, I'm at this point used to it enough. And you know, sometimes I do appreciate the larger screen and things like that. Um, and I got a case for it, and I, I don't want to have to buy a new case. You know. Yeah. yeah. So so okay. so I'm I'm going to stick, but. I am glad they're doing this, and if they keep, you know, kind of updating with a four-inch version, um, next time I upgrade, I, I definitely might consider the the, the four-inch version of the phone. Mike, there's no chance you're going to get one, right? No chance, zero. Yeah, yeah me too. You, wait, you guys have pluses or regulars? Yeah, pluses. Okay, so you guys are going from basically phablets that you would obviously not downgrade that much, right? So yeah, yeah. And you guys use two hands to use your phone, right? There's no way you guys use that with one hand. One hand. Have you, have you seen my hands? <laughs> you have Donald Trump hands. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. But uh, I also have something else like Donald Trump. Billions of dollars? No, I wish. N- uh, no sense of policy <laughs> or politics? Crazy hair. Also, do not know how the Supreme Court works. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no sense of how the Supreme Court works. What? Oh, Mimi, hold on. One second. I, I think Mimi is telling us our podcast needs to be over. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well one, one quick thing. Okay, so wait, what was I going to say? I forgot. <laughs> Something about okay. the tablet, the big phone. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely don't think that the, the 6 Plus or 6S Plus is too big. I, I had the same concerns as you, I guess. Uh, is it too big? And that's why last year I, I got a regular 6. But um, the 6S Plus is great. So uh, there's no way I'm going to go back. But, I mean, do you guys think that this is a, a thing that they're going to be updating regularly? Otherwise, why would they call it? You know, I guess maybe we don't know whether they're going to call it the SE, but that's the rumor, and it's supposed to stand for like special edition, right? So it seems kind of weird if next year they come up with the uh, SE two. If it sells well, it will come back. So you think it's just yeah. like an experiment? If it doesn't, this is the last one. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, why they they wouldn't you know keep this four inch or create this four inch version unless they really thought that there might be a demand for it. And if it turns out there is a demand for these smaller phones, uh, they're going to keep making it. But rather than name it like something that you would presume there's a next one of, like the iPhone 6 mini, and then there would be an iPhone 7 mini, right? Then if it doesn't sell well, they can kind of get away with it and say, well, that was just a special edition. We did that as a one-off, right? But if it does do well, they'll be like, oh, the demand was so good that like we're going to bring it back full-time, right? I don't. I don't think the fact that it has an SE or anything at the at the end of it is going to prevent Apple from bringing back a product yeah, that works. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I just hope the iPhone Seven is uh takes a book out of uh, takes a page out of Samsung's book and makes it waterproof. That's like your big thing, right? So if you could have like better battery life or waterproof, you choose which. Those are actually the only two things I care about. I would take a slower pass processor. Worst camera, uh, not, oh, wow. rest, not even give up my retina screen, even though I do like the retina screen. 
Um, I would give up all that stuff for a better battery life and waterproof. Those are probably the top two things I care about um, in any but, upgrade. But in which order? I mean, he dropped it in the ocean, but his last one in the ocean. I think he's going to go <laughs> yeah, but how many how many times did he run out of battery? I, I I actually – so I am I charge my phone probably every two days. Um, so Crazy. I'm actually fairly happy with the battery life, but uh, I would still take battery because it's more useful to me than, than – um, the waterproofing because i don't really you know again <laughs> recent yeah. events notwithstanding <laughs> water is less of an issue for me okay all right fair enough i i mean isn't the uh the current gen phones aren't they decently water resistant yeah i mean i don't worry about you know kind of you know af- using it after i get out of the shower or anything like that but well, have, you, have you seen the videos of them dunking in I water think they're for like, like yeah minutes? like literally submerged for like 45 minutes yeah yeah but the, then have you seen the the video of them when it goes uh you know a little deeper in the water? Well, so, what kind of what kind of showers are you taking here? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> are they I'm called like, baths. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm worried about like dropping it in a pool or something like that. Oh yeah, 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 right. So, so yeah, so so the experiment that the, the, I first saw that kind of went viral was they they had all the phones kind of lined up and they put it in like you know, like a, a like a feet bowl of water. of water, right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they did they did another one that was kind of viral where they dumped it in kind of like you know a few feet of water and the 6s actually did the worst <laughs> it did oh, worse than yeah it did worse than like the one. 5s um, oh wow yeah I, i'll i'll share that so maybe you could put it in the uh the notes um yeah we'll do that so, so yeah that that uh, i think yeah it's better at you know if you splash water on it but if you actually drop it in water and things like that i think there's still issues with it so okay well um it's been a good episode i think and uh, we'll have some uh, Apple stuff to talk about next week. Sounds I good. I guess so. You could teach me how to use my new Mac. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, you're using a Mac now, right? Congrats. That's our, that's our new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can leave feedback at forthepodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at forthepodcast. Um, there's a support tab there that has an Amazon search box, which helps pay for Jason's hosting and company parties. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right, see ya. Bye. Bye.